Hello and welcome to my podcast, Ontario's Call to the Bar. I'm your host, Aditi, and today we will be discussing methods of carrying out business in Ontario. There are seven methods of carrying out business in Ontario. And to be honest, we all know about these methods because we have studied them in school or read about them elsewhere. So let's hear them out. They are sole proprietorship, partnership, co-ownership, corporation, joint venture, franchises and licenses, and the last one, non-for-profit organizations. Simple. We all know about these things. It's not a surprise. Um, But now we will be touching on some of the legal issues. Not issues, legalities of these methods. So let's dig a little deeper. Starting with sole proprietorship. It's the most basic and inexpensive form of carrying out business. And all benefits and obligations exclusively fall on the sole proprietor. But despite that, a sole proprietor can limit personal liability through insurance. Now let's talk about names of the sole proprietor business. It might seem like a trivial matter, but in reality it's very important. Ontario's Business Name Act says that no matter, no individual shall carry out business or identify his or her business to the public under a name other than his or her own name unless unless the name is registered by that individual with the Ministry of Government and Consumer Services. Let me read that again. Ontario's Business Names Act says that no individual shall carry on business or identify his or her business to the public under a name other than his or her own name unless that name is registered by the individual with Ministry of Government and Consumer Services. Therefore, as best practice, the sole proprietor must register its name with Ministry of Government and Consumer Services. This name needs to be registered and renewed every five years with the ministry. So, as I said, it seems like a trivial matter, but it's not. And I think the purpose of this rule is to maintain consistency. Even though it's a one-person, one-man show or one-woman show in a sole proprietorship scenario, but if you change the name, it can create confusion. So it can either be the sole proprietor's personal name or the name that is registered and as a a register with the ministry and as a best practice, we must register it with the ministry and renew it every five years. I think the reason for renewal is to ensure um, that only active businesses are are in the register registry of the government because a lot of times people start a business and they do not continue um yeah so that's sole proprietorship um moving on to partnership um it's when two or more legal persons by legal persons i mean humans and corporations come together to carry out business to own profit 
it's called partnership. It is relatively less expensive with fewer legal formalities. Partnership is not a legal entity separate from its partners, unlike corporations, which we all will examine in a few minutes. There are three types of partnerships. General partnership, limited liability partnership, and limited partnership. Now, I've created short forms for all this. General partner is GP, LLP is limited liability, and limited partnership is LP. So GP and LLP are governed by Partnership Act, and limited partnership LP is governed by limited partnership act. So let's look at GP now. In GP, all the general partners have unlimited liability for the debts and obligations of partnership. Before we move on to LLP or LP, it must be noted that in partnership, there's a distinction between partner's property and partnership property. Partner's property is what they own personally. Whereas partnership property is any property acquired by the firm solely for the purpose of carrying on business. So if a partner donates $1,000 to its own partnership firm, it's no longer that partner's personal property. It becomes the firm's property. Okay, now that we have that clear, let's look at LLP. In LLP... In case of debts or claims, the assets of LLP are available to satisfy them. Therefore, a partner's interest in partnership property is not protected from claims against partnership. That's why we looked at the distinction between property. So if somebody sues a partnership firm, no matter how much money who has donated, in the partnership, that whole money can be used to satisfy that debt. And a partner cannot say that, oh my gosh, I paid so much money. And you cannot use it. You cannot claim that money. It's partnership property now. Moving on. Another interesting thing to note is that partners are, in LLP, partners are only liable for their own negligence or negligence of employees under their direct supervision. Therefore, a judgment against LLP is not enforceable against other partners not involved directly or vicariously in the claim. How interesting is that? Awesome, right? Okay, now we're moving on to LP, limited partnership. It is um, a firm or an organization which has general partners and limited partners one or more general partners and one or more limited partners and as you can guess general partners have unlimited liability whereas limited partners has liability limited up to the contribution they've made to the firm or the agreement they have signed that's all that's all partnership is all about right now so don't forget the distinction between partnership property and partner's personal property. 
Okay, now we're looking at co-ownership. Co-ownership is basically when two or more persons jointly own a property. And think of it as this piece of land which is owned by A and B. They own it together. They are co-owners. As simple as that. But it might sound like partnership, but it's not. So let's see why it's different from partnership. There are three points that will draw its distinction from partnership and they are so number one level of interest co-owners each co-owner is free to deal separately with its property unless such freedom is obviously limited by an agreement so go back to that example a piece of land owned by a and b they own the land 50 50 a can do whatever the heck it wants to do with its 50 percent of the land and it, B cannot interfere with that. And the same goes for B. That's co-ownership. It's not the same in partnership. Partners have no separate interest in property. Their right only lies in partnership interest and not in the assets of the partnership. The second point of distinction is agency. Co-owners are not agents of each other, whereas partners are. In fact, in partnership, depending on the agreement, business decisions can be made by majority partners against the will of minority partners. Interesting, right? The third distinction is tax benefits, but unfortunately, we won't be touching on them today. Um, moving on to corporation. Corporation is the most common form of business organization. Corporation is a separate legal entity and is different from its owners, as we noted a few seconds ago. Um, that means um, corporation is a different person from its owners. Who are the owners? They're shareholders. Therefore, a corporation can own property, carry on business, earn income, pay taxes, has rights and liabilities separate from its shareholders. Shareholders' liability is different and corporations' liability is different. Shareholders' liability is strictly limited to the value of assets that they have transferred to the corporation in the form of money, property, past services. This limited, this limited shareholder liability can only be curtailed if, if and when the shareholder gives it up by giving a guarantee in their personal capacity. So it's only up to the shareholder whether he or she wants to give, give up that limited liability privilege. Just make a note that there's a lot of talk about liability in business law because it's a risky thing. There is obviously a lot of profit, but there's also a lot of risk. So law really deals a lot with liability and how it will be treated in different situations okay now that we've looked at shareholders liability briefly let's look at dissolution of corporation dissolution is an important issue and can be done by three ways first majority of shareholders if they decide to dissolve the corporation it can be done second is through a court order and third is through the law simple 
Moving on to joint ventures. Joint venture has no definition and therefore it is it's basically two companies coming together to perform business activities and therefore it's the best practice to have an agreement to avoid confusion. The agreement should contain the nature of activity, the contribution that should be made, the share of profits and losses, duration, management and dissolution. Members of joint venture retain their ownership interest in property used in joint venture, unlike in partnership. So therefore, in case of a debt or claim, members of joint venture can claim ownership of a joint venture property and try to protect it. Remember the partnership example that I gave earlier, where partners have come together and one partner has given a thousand dollars and they're being sued. The partnership firm is being sued. The partner cannot claim that one thousand dollars that he or she has given to the firm. But in joint venture, the joint one of the members of the joint venture can claim. That's that's the difference. So yes, another interesting thing. Now we're moving on to franchises and licenses. Uh, there are two terms that we should note. It's franchisor and franchisee, licensor and licensee. So the one ending with er, or is the one who gives it. And the one with E is the one who's receiving it, franchisee. Okay. So both licensees and franchisees receiving the people on receiving end are called independent contractors. That's what I wanted to make clear before we dive into franchise. So when we look at franchise, just imagine we're talking with McDonald's. It makes it simpler to explain. It is contractual relationship where the franchisor transfers intellectual property rights for commercial activity in accordance with prescribed operating method to the franchisee. It, its advantage is that it allows the franchisor, the owner of the information, to expand its business easily because the franchisee uses its capital and borrowing capacity to establish franchise outlets. That's how we have so many McDonald's out there because they gave out franchises. Now, these are, that, that was the advantage. Let's look at the disadvantages. The disadvantage for a franchisor, the owner of information, is maintaining common standards. Transferring the know-how may create competitors and predetermining the expenses and compensation. I know I kind of said it all together, but it's hard to maintain the same kind of standard in all McDonald's in the whole world. It's hard. Second, is that if you give them your secret information to make the perfect burger, there will be other competitors coming out because knowledge is transferred and somebody will leak it. And the third is predetermining how, many, how much expense and compensation you need to share with each other before you start the franchise. 
that's a disadvantage for the franchiser. Now, for the franchisee, there are two main disadvantages. One is degree of control. The transfer of knowledge may, may try to really interfere with, with the business of the franchisee. And that can interfere with the profit-making process. The second thing is also related to the profit-making process, and that's the amount of compensation. The franchisor may think that he or she has this great information about burgers and smoothies, and um, most of the compensation should go to the franchisor, and the franchisee may say that, okay, I'm doing all the work, it should come to me. That could be a problem, right? So these are the two disadvantages for franchisee. Since these disadvantages have a significant impact on business, there's a law to protect both the parties from unfair situations. This law is called Arthur Wishart Act, in bracket Franchise Disclosure, 2000, which states that prior to investment, franchiser must disclose relevant and meaningful information to aid informed decision making. So I don't think it need a, needs any explanation. The law is trying to mitigate the possible damages or disadvantages of franchise by making it mandatory to share meaningful information with both the parties and it must be done in good faith otherwise it has negative consequences but make a note that this is a business so it should be done in good faith but there is no fiduciary duty between the franchisor and franchisee okay moving on to license license is exactly the same as franchise the only difference is um the former, which is the franchise, has greater ongoing involvement as compared to the latter. Now we will look at not-for-profit, also known as NFP. Some people also call it NPO, which is not-for-profit organization, NPO. Anyway, I'm going to call it NFP. These organizations are usually social clubs, professional groups, or trade groups. It must be carried on without monetary gain to its participants, as the name suggests. But it must be noted that NFPs are different from charity. How? In order for, organi for an organization to be charity, it must be registered as a charity under Income Tax Act which means that it must be the following three things. It must have a charitable object or purpose. It must be exclusively for charitable purpose. And that charitable purpose should be recognized by law, by the courts. It should not be for personal charity. It should be public charity, basically. Both NFPs and charities are not subject to IT, which is income tax, but charities have to register with income tax and NFPs don't. Like charities, NFPs um, 
must be carried out with uh, NFE corporations must be carried on without monetary gain to its participants. We have already noted that. Uh, both NFPs and charities can be organized as unincorporated associations, trusts, or corporations with or without capital, share capital. If organized as non-share capital corporation, it enjoys all the benefits and liabilities of the corporation. NFPs can be incorporated at both federal and provincial level by Canadian not-for-profit um, Corporations Act or Ontario Not-for-Profit Corporations Act depends on how big your not-for-profit um, activity is the provincial level NFPs are governed by Ontario Corporation Act and that's it we have covered all the seven methods of carrying out business in Ontario. In our next episode, we'll be discussing partnership in a bit more detail. Thank you for listening and see you soon. Bye.